This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found modern mammals and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. is up my sinners welcome to another episode of lead singer syndrome a podcast where i shane told your host with the most your man with usually not much of a plan has conversations with other lead singers about what it's like to be the front man or front woman of a band and this week well this week baseball starts oh yeah oh yeah and as some of you may know I'm a huge sports guy with baseball being the very top, so I'm very excited, and I think my Blue Jays have a shot this year. I think, you know, I mean, the Yankees and Red Sox are looking very good in the AL East, but I think the Blue Jays have a shot at maybe, you know, sneaking in there in a wild card spot. Great rotation, improved outfield. Um, We shall see. Uh, But I celebrate baseball just in general. I'm going to be at the Tigers home opener on Thursday couple Miller High Lives, Veggie Burger. Oh yeah, I cannot wait. But hey, the podcast and why you're here. This week's show, hell yes. It was such a treat for me. I absolutely loved this conversation. We have a progressive metal legend on the show this week. Mr. James Labrie of the one and only Dream Theater. And seriously, what a band Does it get any more wild musically than what Dream Theater does? Seriously. But for this episode, we talk about the vocal side of the band. And believe me, I think it is far more interesting. So get ready for this. I think my favorite one so far. Before we get into that, I have a big shout out to Paul Romero, straight out of California. Northern California, to be exact. (laughs) Ladies, he is single. And he says he's pretty. So keep a lookout for that. But seriously, Paul Romero, thank you for the love and support. It means the world to me. Also, big shout out to all the members of the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. 
We've been getting a ton of new members, which is awesome to see. Check it out, leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. If you need more, more episodes, more interaction with me, a great community of other fans, we discuss everything in the Facebook group. And of course, more perks like free merch, Q&A session with me, and much, much more. And it starts for as little as $6 a month. That is like less than three Chipotle guacamole upgrades. Okay? So I, I, you got this. You got this. So again, check it out. WeedSingerSyndrome.com slash all access. And of course, we are on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. Be sure to add us. Uh, we have some incredible episodes coming up in the next few weeks. I've been busy. I've been recording shit like all week. It has been nuts, but so good. So make sure you're subscribed. Whatever you're listening to this on, just boop, hit the subscribe button. I don't want you missing anything at all. Before we jump in, as usual, big shout out to our sponsor, rockabilia.com, the absolute best in the band merchandise business. If you need anything, again, weather's getting nice. Maybe you need like a little uh, spring uh, windbreaker or something or a t-shirt, depending on where you live. Maybe you're still wearing a hoodie. I don't know. But hey, check it out, rockabilia.com. They got everything. They got 500,000 unique items. Everything is officially licensed from the band, so you don't have to worry about any crappy knockoffs or print being offset or you put it in the wash and it fades. We got good quality stuff here at rockabilia.com. And of course, we have a promo code to save 15% off your entire order. The promo code is PCJabberJaw, J-A-B-B-E-R-J-A-W, PCJabberJaw. So head over to rockabilia.com. Pick up a couple things for you, for a loved one, and use that promo code PC Jabberjaw to save 15% today. All right, hey, I want to get into this. No more wasting any more time. I absolutely love this conversation. So here it is, this week's episode and my conversation with James Labrie of Dream Theater. Hello. How you doing, Shane? I'm doing fantastic. So nice to speak to you. Yes, same here. Yeah, man. This is kind of wild how this got set up. I mean, um, it was actually a message I got through your son's bandmate, who's a big fan of my band, kind of mentioned you in passing. And I said, I got to get this guy in the show because I've been a, a huge fan of their band since, you know, since you joined the band. So this is right. kind, of, kind of crazy that this that this worked out, and uh, and here we are talking. Um, how are you on this fine? Uh, what is it? Thursday? How you doing? Yeah. No, I'm doing great. Yeah, just uh, yeah, I'm just enjoying the the weather. You know, I'm gonna get out outside a little more here. So uh, so yeah. where where are you are living? Oh, you- uh, sorry. Where where are you located? Uh, well, I'm based in Toronto. Uh, okay, that's, that's where I I grew up. I'm right now. I'm in Windsor. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So what about yourself? So I'm up around the uh, Midland area. Oh, okay. Yeah. I saw the, I saw the 705 number. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I know you grew up uh, up kind of out that way too, right? Out in Northern I, Ontario. I grew up in Midland. Yeah. Ah, in Midland. That's, yeah, that's crazy. And, and it's funny because yeah. I think, you know, obviously Dream Theater being a band that everyone knows is like New York, New York. 
Uh, a lot yeah, of people yeah. don't know that you're Canadian. Yeah, it, it's surprising after all these years, you know, yeah. that I... I still get people and they go, hang on a second, what? You're from Canada? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, if you go on the site, it's kind of, uh, it, it, you know, that's if you want to spend the time and serve around or whatever, you know, browse around. I mean, then that's, that becomes apparent where I'm from. But I guess most people, they just look at it and they say, it's a New York band, so everyone's American, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, coming, you know, your story of getting into the band is, is a pretty cool story. Uh, you know, they they went through like 200 audition people or something yeah, yeah. to find you. Um, but yeah. when they did get you and get you in the band, were, were there hoops because you're Canadian to, to kind of, you know, you had to get a visa or whatever? I mean, I guess it was a long yeah, time ago. Well, but Initially, believe it or not, Shane, I mean, uh, when I first went down there, I actually flew down uh, the day the Desert Storm started in, uh, in 1991. Wow. And, uh, and I remember I was getting on an American Airlines plane, and I still remember just, you know, in the recesses of my mind thinking, holy jeez, you know, like, they just started a big war here, and here I am flying American Airlines going down into the States. It was kind of surreal, everything that was kind of, like, lined up in that particular day, and then I'm meeting these guys, and I've never met them before, although I think we've got something going on that, that will definitely work. And uh, so initially when I when I got down there, it was only um, for me to be to come down and jam with them. And right after the first jam, you know, it was quite apparent that uh, we had something going on. Yeah. And we, we we jumped right into recording a demo the very next day. And uh, we recorded, you know, like uh, four songs. And, and then right from there, it was a matter of, uh, you know, getting the label behind us and then getting you know, everything formed up and, and firmed up to actually get us in the studio to start recording images and words, which didn't start until October 91. And, uh, and then, uh, but I didn't get my visa, believe it or not. I was, I was down there the whole time, just kind of like chilling because it wasn't really working. Yeah. You know, right. Right. I was down there recording, but I wasn't getting paid or anything like that. At that point, it was just a matter of let's get, get this album recorded and let's, you know, let's get it out there and then we can start touring. And then once we knew the tour was going to start, which was in September of uh, 92, then I had, you know, the work visa and all that stuff. But I made it really clear to the guys as soon as I had met them. And like they, like I said, the, the day after I got there, we started demoing. And then the day after we started demoing, they said, you know, hey, we, we want you in the band, you know, are you into it? And I said, absolutely. You know, guys, you guys are phenomenal players. And I, and the music that we're going to record for images is just incredible. So, yeah. uh, I, you know, I said, it's a no brainer. I want to be in the band, but I have to tell you this, I'm not moving down here. I want to stay up where I am at the time I was living in Toronto. Yeah. <clears throat> I was around the area of uh pharmacy in Eglinton. Okay. So right yeah. There. Yeah. But I, I lived in like four different areas of Toronto the whole time because I, I lived down there for about 10 years. And um, but anyways, and they were like, what, whatever, you know, that, that's not a problem because you're only at the time it was only a 50 minute flight. Yeah. Uh, you know, to go from Toronto Pearson into LaGuardia. So it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. 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 No, that, that's wild. I mean, um, it seems like things move so quickly. Uh, you know, like all of a sudden you're, they, they, they want a guy, they get a guy. All right, let's record. 
Let's, yeah. you know, it seemed like, I mean, I guess, I guess to say that Dream Theater is a pro- very professional band would maybe be an understatement. Yeah. Like you can't, yeah. you can't craft, you know, music yeah, it, like it, you it, do without a lot of preparation. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, I'll, I'll tell you the, the irony there, Shane, is that whenever uh, we get together and we're in the studio and we're, and we're writing for, you know, a new album or whatever it might be. Um, we're never ever shy on ideas. We're never short on ideas. There's tons of ideas. In fact, um, if you were to go back through, through the various albums, there's so much material that, you know, that, that could have easily become a great song. Um, and then it's, it's just kind of like tossed to the side. And we always say that we're going to come back and revisit those songs or yeah. those ideas, those seeds or whatever you want to call sure, it. Sure. And you never do because by the time you're in a position to be writing again and, and working on a new album, there's, you know, it, it, I mean, I've always said that we are, you know, a reflection of what's going on at that particular moment in time. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all influenced by what is going on in our lives on a personal level, on a, on a social level, um, you know, politics, everything. You know, we're, we're, we're massively influenced by that on a, on a continual basis. And I really think it's, it's like looking into a crystal ball, each album. If you look at each album from a band, you can tell pretty much what was going on in the world at the time, or at least what those guys, that collection of musicians, were going through uh, personally. Right. And I think, you know, that's, that's your telling, is that that's where you were at that particular moment. But, um, well, you know, yeah. you bring up you bring up things like you know the Gulf War in 1991, which was also you know that's when the grunge era started and all that and that you know that war and depression like it did breed that. And if you look Absolutely. at history and music, you know, I, I mean, I'm not just talking about the obvious stuff like the Beatles and Give Peace a Chance and all that. I'm talking right. about you know, um, just even in modern day, you know, yeah. what's happening. No, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. It, it's it's uh you know. It's it's funny because you know we go to the news and that to uh, to kind of gauge what's going on globally. But I mean, if you were to listen to enough bands, you know, there's <laughs> there's there's so much uh, you know prolific uh, tellings of of exactly what it is that we're all feeling or what you know is the consensus as to what we feel the situation is currently. You know, but uh, yeah, it's always been that. But I mean, you know, the whole thing. You know, as fast as, as Dream Theater came along, and, and this is what a lot of people ask me, they go, well, you know, like you, you were able to, you know, jump into Dream Theater. And I go, well, yeah, it, it I said, you know, it's it's always timing with that because I was in several bands before I hooked up with Dream Theater and the last band being Winter Rose down in Toronto. And we were out and that's that's how that whole Dream Theater thing came along was that. I was out touring with Winter Rose, which was a band myself and Rich Chicky, uh, who happens to have been the uh, the engineer and has mixed the last three uh, or the last two um, Dream Theater albums. Wow! And, um, but him and I, we had this band called Winter Rose, and it was great. You know, it was it was more in the vein of you know like White Snake meets Skid Row meets. <laughs> sure. You know, yeah. like uh, Aerosmith and stuff like that. But it, it was really cool stuff, very melodically driven. And we were out with Lee Aaron. I don't know if you remember her. I remember, her. absolutely remember yeah. her, yeah. So, you know, the old metal queen, Lee yeah. Aaron. Yeah. And she came up to me, and, and she's the one that pretty much was instrumental in orchestrating that get-together with, with Dream Theater, just because she sent 
unbeknownst to me, she sent the disc that we had down to these people that she knew in New York who happened to be, it was MCA Records, who also happened to be with Dream Theater. And they knew that Dream Theater was looking for a singer, so they heard that tape and they were like, holy shit, you know, we got to get this over to the guys and see if they, at all they're interested. Then they heard it and then that's, you know, everything else after that is... Uh, history as we know it absolutely but i mean the band couldn't have been that big at the time i mean they no, had they one record under their belt and they lost their singer but it seems like yeah. you know they had uh, maybe they just had a lot of backing through the label uh well, what, or what, something what at was, the time but it, it seems yeah. like it was like you had you knew this band was going to be i mean you probably didn't know it was going to be 25 years later doing an anniversary tour but no. but you you had a feeling that this band was going was something special i guess and a lot of people knew it yeah absolutely because you know they, they put out when dream and day unite and i think the best thing that came from that was critical acclaim you know magazines yeah. around the world were were noting that these guys were you know a force to be reckoned with um musically because you, you have to remember when they put out when Dream and Day Unite in 1989, like those guys were like 21, 22 years old. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to be playing that kind of music at that level and putting together the compositions that they did um, was, you know, a little precocious. Um, mm-hmm. nowadays, nowadays, it's the norm. I mean, I can't believe the, the musicianship out there today is just, it's phenomenal. And it, it's scary, you know. Right. But, uh, you know, but at the time, you know, they, they, the one thing that it garnered for them was that magazines around the world and, and the, mu- the music industry became aware of this band. They didn't really sell much at all because, you know, just due to the nature of that music, you know, it's either you got to, you, you, you're hitting a stride or people are made to become aware of you because of a radio hit or something. And so going in images and words, you know, to be honest with, with you, none of us, you know, we all believe that, that this album had everything that it, that it could possibly have to, to really draw some massive attention. But was it going to get its fair shake? Yeah. And none of us do. And, 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 you know, fortunately for us, let's face it, I don't know if you and I would be having this conversation today if it hadn't been for Pomi Under going through the roof. And I've said that all along sure. is, you know, that was the catalyst that that, that presented a, a platform for us to be able to, or a wave, a tidal wave, to be able to ride and, and bring us into the subsequent albums and and be known worldwide, you yeah. know, on a very big level. Well, yeah. it's it's you know that song was the first one I ever heard. You know, it's it's funny. You know, my my sister is uh, about seven years older than me. Okay, and and so whenever that record came out, I guess it was 1992. I was 11 years old. And Jeez. And oh I used God. to uh, sneak into my sister's. So was I, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I feel old. I feel old now that you know. Thinking about that record being twenty-five years old, I can't right, even yeah. imagine how you feel, my friend. Oh my God, man! It's, it's just <laughs> surreal for sure. But I would, I would sneak into her room when she wasn't home, and you know, CDs at the time were kind of like a new thing. You know, they were kind of the fancy new thing, and she had, she had images and words, and you know, uh-huh. it's, which was kind of funny because my sister wasn't into anything proggy at all i think she right, might have had a rush right. record you know and and then yeah. she liked things like she liked like depeche mode and erasure oh. and like music like that but yeah. but i i put that record on and it was like what is this music you know like what is going on like this this like i remember the 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 first time i heard i guess it's metropolis on that record 
Yeah, uh, part right. one. When, when <laughs> you go into a big long instrumental break, and it's yeah, like yeah, all yeah. the accents, you know, in that part. And I just yeah. like I just remember thinking to myself, like, even as an eleven year old kid, that I think I yeah. just picked up a guitar for the first time, I couldn't believe that someone could write music like that. Like it blew right. my mind. Yeah, you know, I'd never heard anything like that, and and still to this day, when I when I throw on that record, and I it still sounds great, by the way, I throw it on, yeah. and, and um, it's a really well produced album for sure. Yeah, Sonic. and and, and yeah. I still it still blows my mind. You know, after all this yeah. time, uh, you know, it's 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 crazy. How was how was doing that tour, that anniversary tour? Yeah, well, you you had that same kind of reaction that I had because I grew up massively influenced by uh, Rush and. Yeah. Uh, and when I heard, um, you know, a farewell to Kings or Fly by Night or Hemispheres, I remember just sitting there in my room and playing those albums over and over again and just being blown away, you know, just, just by the fact that, you know, each guy in the band, you know, I've always said that yeah. Alex, Alex Lifeson is the most underrated freaking guitar player in the world because he's phenomenal. He's a phenomenal player, uh, an amazing writer. I mean, you know, writing with, with Getty and, and Neil, you know, everyone said everything that can be possibly said about Neil, you know, as a drummer. And, yeah. um, you know, but, you know, and then the other major influence, Queen, you know, being uh, Freddie Mercury was just wow. a, a mind-blowing experience from yeah. the first note that he sang to the last, you know. And so, you know, all these things, I, I, I totally get what you're saying, you know, that, that, that you are, you you have albums that, left an indelible mark on you, you know, and that's, that can be what, uh, formed or, or was the, the, the one element that was, or one of the several elements that is responsible for who you are today as a musician. Right. Right. Well, and you guys are covering uh, rush now. Didn't you just come out with a cover not too long ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Xanadu. Yeah. 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 And that's- yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun, but I also did red barchetta. Uh, back uh, quite some years ago, and um, you know, and Bitor and the Snow Dog and stuff like that. I sang that on a, a, an album that came out was called Working Man, and uh, and I had a lot of fun doing that. I did a little spin of my own on Red Barchetta, so you can always check that out too. Let's check it out. Let's check it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so yes, this the the 25th anniversary tour of Images and Words. What was it like going back? revisiting those songs some of them you probably haven't played in years uh, yeah and you know the fans coming out knowing you're going to play this whole record and, and everything the energy the vibe uh the memories what was that like for you uh yeah you know that's exactly what it did it, it started to conjure up all these memories of when we were initially out touring it because that's what it brought back it was like okay you know like throughout the years we played you know, maybe a couple songs from Images here and there. Uh, on our 15th anniversary, we played the whole album, but we only did it once. And um, and then we moved on again and we, you know, continued with whatever we were playing on that particular tour. Um, but, you know, to have actually gone out, and we were playing like three hours a night, so the first set would be songs from the various, various albums. And then the second set would all be dedicated to Images and Words. And then the encore was a change of seasons. So it was a very long wow. evening, <laughs> but, <laughs> to say the but, least. but it, it started to, because you were playing the album, just like we did when we were out on the Images and Words tour, we played the album from beginning to end, just like it was in the, the same sequence, 
you know, as, as the album is on disc. And, um, so it started to bring up, you know, we all started to sit around the tour bus and started to talk about, Oh my God, you remember that? Like we were back in a van, you know, bouncing around the road, <laughs> and, you know, and then staying, staying in fleet bitten hotels and playing dives and, you know, until, until pull me under hit and then everything completely changed for us. But yeah, you know, and it, it was, it was interesting because when you play that material, you just realize, like, you're kind of reminded of, you know, I guess that album really does still have a, a special place with each and every one of us, you know. Absolutely. And, you know, and I mean, it doesn't, not to take away from any of the other albums, you know, like, to me, I still am uh, very passionate about scenes from a memory and six degrees of inner turbulence. Um, you know, those albums still have a, a very loud, uh, resonance with me you know and uh so it, it's kind of uh, i remember like john talking about john bertucci just saying holy shit man you know like do you remember being in the studio and david prater david prater was the uh was the producer at the time uh-huh. and he and he also mixed the album and he said do you remember like sitting around the control room we were talking about it and david was sitting there and he's going yeah you know guys i gotta tell you you know, I really feel that this is going to do something for you guys, and it's go on, it's going to go on a global scale. And you know, at the time, you just kind of, yeah, okay. I hope you know from from your lips to God's ears, right? That's what you say. <laughs> yeah. but, but is it really going to happen? Like it was anyone's guess. And you have to remember, you just mentioned or mentioned earlier there, Shane. You said you know ninety one, ninety two. Well, grunge was at its peak. Yeah. So here we come out with an album like Images and Words. It was like, uh, really, where do we fit in? <laughs> sure. Right? And the label, you know, God love them because they were like, no, no, you know, we're going to do this. You know, we're going to we're gonna get out there and we're going to push this and we're going to see what happens. We're going to see if it sticks. And thankfully for us, what happened was Pull Me Under, uh, the college radio stations at all the colleges around the States started playing this song and it blew up. And because it blew up at college radio, then all of a sudden all the national radio stations went, Hey, hang on a second. What's going on here. They grabbed it. And the same thing happened there. So, you know, well, for every, crazy. for every movement, there's an anti movement in the same way too. And there's people yeah. that there's like, I mean, a lot of people love Nirvana. Uh, yep. But at that time, a lot of people were like, what is this bullshit? Yeah, yeah. like yeah, no one exactly. talks about those people, but they were there, right. and people yeah, didn't want to let go of of the eighties, uh, you know, and some of the 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 music and some of the fashion and a yeah. lot of the, the the things that that you guys, in some ways, I mean, image image wise, um, yeah. uh, you guys still had, you know what I yeah. mean, and and, um, yeah. and I think that there were still people that really wanted to hang on to that. Well, you know, I I think what what happens is anything that I think should should be listened to or anything that is um is very unique and original is always at the same time jarring like you just mentioned nirvana nirvana and yeah like they came out and at first people were like what the hell's going on here you know it's like it's like me walking down the street and someone has their garage door open and i'm listening to a band rehearsing yeah but you know it it was much more than that let's face it of course some of the songs are brilliant, you know, they're, they're just brilliant. And that's why it did stick. And, 
the same goes for something like a band like ours. And, uh, you know, at first it was jarring, I'm sure, to many people. But then when, if they actually sat down and started listening to it, they're going, hey, wait a minute, I get it. I get where this is coming from. I'm sure there was, <laughs> there's still many people that don't get it. But at the same time, there were many people that, that did enough for it to be able to, you know, provide a, a, a very lucrative deal for each and every one of us or career, I should say. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, with your band, you know, and, and you talk about the differences between Nirvana and Dream Theater as if, as if we're comparing these bands, first yeah. of all, which is very funny. <laughs> yeah. But, That's you know, the, the antithesis of music, right? <laughs> but, but I mean, obviously, your band is known for, you know, technical prowess and yeah. you know, virtuosos and, and all that stuff. And John, right. John is on the cover of Guitar World this month. Right, yeah. yeah. You know, uh, congratulations to him and, and what, a, what a career he's had. I know he's out doing the guitar. Uh, nerd tour, E3. whatever it is, yeah, yeah. E3. you know, and, and you know, it makes it, my, a question I want to ask you is when you guys are in the studio, whether you're, whatever you're working on, yeah, how much of the band is okay? We have to write a great song, we have to say something, we have to, you know, put this out for our fans that care about, yeah. you know, the songs and the music, and how much of yep. it is like, well, this part has to be like super sick, and I have to play like maybe something very difficult and challenging for myself and and uh-huh. do you know what i mean for for kind well, of you I know think, quote unquote the nerds yeah i i think what happens is you know the way that i've seen it always unfold and my observation is this that you know we'll get in there and initially we all have like ideas and we'll sit around and we'll listen to them and here's you know the seeds and that and then the other so so we can like build on that and we can cultivate um, but then the other part of it is just, you know, someone comes in, whether it might be Mike playing a, a, a beat on the drums, you know, and, and it's rhythmically very inspiring. And then all of a sudden John comes in and starts playing a riff around it. And then Jordan joins in and then John, my young joins in. And, and a lot of that happens, too. But I think, you know, what, what you were asking there, like, when do you see yourself becoming, you know, OK, guys, so this is where we're going to get real crazy instrumental. Yeah, and um, what some people might refer to as super superfluous uh, noodling, noodling and stuff like that. I think right. that it actually it's just it's just a, it naturally presents itself. You know, you just know that. Wait a second, where we've just taken this and to the point that we are right now, it just makes absolute sense for for the band at this point to go into something instrumental or to, you know, or a, or, or a sick unison uh, uh, section or whatever. But it, it pretty much, you know, can just easily present itself along the way. There are moments when uh, we're saying, you know, okay, well, this song, obviously if it's an instrumental song, well then, you know, anything's possible, right? At that point, <laughs> sure. you're there to make it, to make it something that is so engaged uh, instrumentally that right from the beginning to the end, you know, you still have to have the dynamics. I mean, you can't just be going at it 100% or 100 miles an hour from beginning to end or else it becomes very uh, monotone as far as I'm concerned. Of course. And monotonous. And um, so I think, you know, it depends on where we are, what we're doing, uh, what what kind of a, an environment we are in at that particular moment, writing-wise, that kind of dictates where we're going to go with with something. Yeah. No. No. Absolutely. I mean, is, yeah. it, is it weird in some ways 
being the front man of the band and being, you know, the person that yeah. is the spokesperson of the band, you know, you talk between the, the songs and, and everything. Um, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you don't have as much of the spotlight on you because no. you, you aren't a, a shredder like Petrucci or Myung or, or, right. or Portnoy yeah. when he was in the band, you know? Right. What's Absolutely. that like for you? No, you know what? To me, it's, it's like, um, you see, and I'm not trying to just throw myself in there to say, well, here, you know, like, what about me? <laughs> right. <laughs> Because there's a time and a place for me to come in and go, okay, you know what, guys? Like, um, you know, I'm, I'm hearing this melody or I'm hearing this riff, you know, and and so here here it is. Take it or leave it. Um, but, it, but you know, over the years, what you learn when you're in a band and, um, is, you know, you all go through the growing pains. Every band goes through the growing pains where you, you feel like, well, you know, like uh, your ego is basically – uh, promoting something that's not necessarily good. So you you find yourself where you've gone through those moments uh, where uh, it's kind of like, well, what about me? And wait a second, I have to have a piece of this or I have to be a part of this. or Right. To the point where you say, I'm only going to suggest or I'm only going to um, involve myself if it makes sense. And I think, you know, so whether it be, you know, John Petrucci and Jordan riffing out on an idea and then Mike and John and I are sitting in the background, then so be it. Or if it's collectively all five of us just, you know, vibing on an idea and then it's going forward and it's going exactly as we envisioned it, then that's great, too. But I think there's there's, you know, I think when the band is at a point where we can comfortably be sitting there and letting happen what is naturally happening and being good with that, then it's a very healthy environment. And then we all benefit from it because then we're putting our best foot forward. But with me, you know, like being, being just a singer amongst all these instrumentalists. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, you know, it's been said in, in the press, like John has said it in the press, he goes, you know, I don't know how like uh, James navigates his way through this at times because, you know, he's, always kind of present but he knows when to get involved he knows when not to he you know is eventually you're hearing him because he's singing on every one of the songs whether <laughs> i'm writing whether i'm writing a, a lyric or whether i'm writing a melody it it doesn't really matter if what we've attained or or at the end of it we feel that the goal has been reached but it it is a you know at, at this point it's pretty smooth yeah. and it's 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 natural at but at one point it was kind of awkward because like you said you know you're in a band with these types of players and if you just threw them in a room and said go well then it would be like I would need a great big blowhorn there going hey wow you know <laughs> yeah. yeah stop what about what I got to say you know because it's just it, it's unreal because they can just go 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 you know sure and uh but it, it's it's a lot of fun yeah no 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 totally um I remember yeah. one time like when I was a kid my dad played the song um in a gata de vida for me Oh yeah, and you know yeah, I don't yeah. know how long it is. It's you know it's got to be like it's at least long. fifteen. Yeah. It's like a whole side of an LP, whatever you know, whatever yeah, that yeah. is. Yeah. And uh, and I remember my dad like play, like he just loves the songs, like rocking out you know to it in the car. And I yeah. remember about halfway through going, "Where's the singer?" 
What's the singer yeah, yeah, doing? Yeah, yeah. What does the singer do now during this part? Like he's got yeah, a good yeah. ten minutes to kill. Oh and, my and god! In, man. And in your band, that must happen. Like you oh, know, sure it does. what do you what do sure you do does. during those long breaks? Well, it, I don't know if you've ever noticed in a live. Uh, I was on stage, but I have a tent, and uh, <laughs> so, so it's basically trapdoor. It, Bye. Be, behind John's, behind John Petrucci's amps. They have this thing that's set up. We call it the tent, but basically, it's it's like a a, a three sided because the back is his amps, and it's a three sided kind of uh, like draped little cave for me to go into. And inside there, I have uh, a seat, I have a humidifier, I have my uh, warm water with honey, and I have just regular water. And then I can sit there, and while they're doing that, I'm just kind of like humming, just (laughs) and doing stuff like that while they're doing that, and then just doing a little bit of stretching, and um, and then just kind of, and then sometimes depending on what it is they're going to do, like what section they're coming up to, or if they're going to do any solos or stuff like that, solo uh, spotlights, I'll walk off the stage, and then I can be on the stage basically doing serious uh, stretching or jumping jacks and stuff like that just to kind of keep the blood going. Yeah. And then so that when I come out, it's not like I went and I sat down and I got really comfy as if the show was done. And then it's, <laughs> it's kind of hard to kind of bring back that energy. Right. So I keep myself um, active while, while they're doing that. Well, I guess, yeah. I guess it makes sense to, to have, I mean, not even make sense. It's almost a necessity when you're doing a three hour show. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest, who can get up there and sing like, you do for yeah. three hours straight without any breaks. Yeah. That would be, that would be impossible. Yeah, it, it would be. I think it, it definitely would be. I mean, I mean the average band plays what an hour and a half. So yeah. Yeah. if you think about it, I mean, how many minutes of that is singing and, and so on. But uh, yeah, you know, and that's, that's why, you know, it's worked uh, because we can do in a three hour show, even in, in most regular uh, the songs, the way that they, the way that we kind of put together the set list, there are those breaks in there that allow me to kind of have that endurance, right? Totally, totally. Well, I mean, as you've gotten older, has your voice changed? I mean, surely it can't be getting easier, uh, or has it? Well, I mean, you know, I think, uh, you know, my voice. I'm not singing in the stratosphere like I did when I was, you know, on Images and Words. And when we went out with Images and Words, we tuned down just like a. Uh, you know, a semitone. Yeah. And, um, which is really not much, right? Let's face it. Isn't it amazing though, how much a semitone can make a difference in some songs? In some songs it can, it can blow your mind how much you're like, really, this is the same. This is only a semitone. I know. I know it it, it was mind blowing. It, It definitely was mind blowing, but it allowed me to, you know, to sing those songs and, and then go out every night and know that I'm not going to be just stretching it every night. Yeah. But I, if you know you're aware Shane but you know I had my uh, a vocal rupture in 1994 yeah I have it on my list of questions yeah see so so the food poisoning there I mean I recovered it took me probably close to like almost seven eight years to fully recover but even when I fully recovered from that because I bled onto my vocal cords which is it can be you know a career ender Uh, and um, I remember seeing my uh, ENT specialist and she told me she said you know like oh my god you know you need to take six months off 
and just be quiet. And I said, uh, I actually leave in seven days for Tokyo because <laughs> we were out yeah. on the album. And she said, oh, my God, I don't know what to tell you. She goes, you know, that it, this is going to be extremely um, difficult for you. And she goes, I hope you don't do any further damage. And um, so, you know, long story short, um, I, I did get back, you know, I'd say 95% of my range. But, I mean, where I used to be able to just go into the stratosphere, no problem, and scream my head off, I I wasn't comfortable doing that anymore. Even though, I mean, since since 94, I mean, there's there's been, uh, you know, many albums that show that I still had, you know, the range and all that stuff to go for it. But it wasn't like it was uh, previous to the, to the accident where, you know, I could wake up and, and sing uh, – like take the time if I had to, or child in time from right. Deep Purple, you know. So uh, it it didn't matter um, back then. But you know, you, you just have to learn how to how to uh, adjust and uh, and you know, I guess accept where you are at that point as a vocalist and never and never push it. Yeah, no, it's scary yeah. stuff. I mean, yeah. especially that, and that's pretty early in you know in your in your career. This is only, oh, you yeah. said 94, you'd only been in the band for a couple of years. So, I mean, yeah. after just two years, and I know you've done some touring with, with winter Rose and, and some other bands, but yeah. uh, you know, you're still kind of finding your sea legs a little bit at that point. Yeah. You know what oh. I mean? Like, like uh, yeah, yeah. it, it, it doesn't just take like, Oh, okay. I got through one, one, uh, uh, you know, us tour. I'm good to go. Yeah. You know, yeah. people, people take years and years and years to finally figure out, okay, this is, this is what regiment I need to do to get through a show and, or get through a week right. of shows or a tour. So, yeah. so at that and, point, I mean, I mean, it must've been really hard for you, like, uh, just mentally, like personally. Oh yeah. No, uh, it, you know, it was, it was horrible. Let, let me put it to you this way. It was freaking horrible is what it was. It was a very dark period in my life, you yeah. know, because it affected me. First of all, you, you got to remember, and I'm not I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but uh, before that, I was able to just get up and sing like nothing, and it was effortless. And then all of a sudden, now I'm straining, now I'm cracking. My voice was cracking, and and then it was it had become extremely fragile. So you know, it was kind of like just uh, waking waking up with a nightmare going on. You know, oh, like yeah. it was. Just, so, you know what, but I mean, you know, I had to say to myself, hey, either you got to toughen up here and you got to figure it out how you're going to do it. Because, I mean, we just, for example, uh, we went out, we, when we finished this last tour in December, we had been out just shy of two years touring. So, you know, that's a lot of shows um, and each night three hours. And what happened to me a couple times on the tour is, you know, I, I got pretty sick. Um, like, you know, sinus infection, bad colds, flu, stuff like that. And then nowadays, it doesn't matter when you go out and then you say, okay, well, I'm only going to, you know, sit at 80% and I got to like really watch myself here because I'm sicker than a dog. Uh, you got the trolls out on, on the internet and they're going, what the fuck is wrong with Labrie? You know, like <laughs> couldn't handle it the other night. And then you're, you're just sitting there. And at the end of the day, you're still a human being, you know, you got feelings and you're like, you, you get upset because you're going, you have no fucking idea what I was going through. And you know, it's, it's an, it's an organic instrument yeah. and you're, you're trying to make the best of it. And it doesn't matter what singer I've, I've talked to in the world, they've all gone through it and they've all had their, you know, uh, I guess acrimonious, uh, <laughs> uh, people 
that were, you know, cutting them up left, right, and center. And they're like, yeah, man, it's a freaking horrible situation. But you know what? I, you know, Shane, the way I look at it is, is kind of, uh, whatever you're not going to satisfy everyone they're not going to they don't necessarily have to know what you're going through and if they if that makes them feel better by criticizing someone when they're down eh, so be it if that's the kind of person they are i hope to never sit around and i hope to never meet them because someone like that is just shallow as far as i'm concerned right right well that's the thing i mean you know a lot of people would look at your band and and say oh labrie's got the easiest job yeah. But you don't. <laughs> you, no, absolutely. You, you have the hardest job in the band. You do. Absolutely. And it's it's that's you know, and this is Lead Singer Syndrome podcast, so we can talk about how hard our lives are. Uh, oh. you know, but but sure. but it's true. Sure. I mean, no matter no matter sure. what. Oh, right? Sorry, I lost you for a second. What'd you say? No, I said I'm sure that you've experienced some of that yourself when you had to perform and you're and you're feeling like a bag of dirt. Yeah. Right? Of course. Yeah. Of course, yeah. it happens. I'd yeah. say almost every tour, there's yeah. some point when I'm, whether I'm I've, I'm sick, whether I've just kind of lost my voice or I'm not there or whatever. Right. Almost almost every tour, I'd say there's there's a, a period of time during it where I'm not feeling like not even close to a hundred percent, like below fifty percent. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you got and the show must go on, as the old adage says. That's you right. Know? Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Oh well. You know what we picked? We picked our instrument right, and you know what? I stand behind it one hundred percent. Yeah, sure. I mean, we're not going to be one hundred percent capacity all the time, but if you can sit back and say to yourself, "Hey, man, for the most part, I'm there," then then that's all that matters. Absolutely. Yeah. So you've sure. done a lot. I mean, you mentioned the word. You used the word prolific uh, earlier in the in the conversation, and and when you said the word prolific, I was like, prolific. Is James mm-hmm. Labrie? I mean, that's you've put out so many albums, not with just with Dream Theater, but with right. you know other solo projects and stuff you've done. How, mm-hmm. have, you, how have you found the time to do to do that? Uh, you must just never stop. Yeah, I mean, well, and right now, you know, I'm working on another solo album, and uh, and so that's going on at, at the time or, or at the present. Yeah. Um, you know what, Shane? I mean, I just like I just uh, kind of look at the calendar and I see what I'm, you know, what's going on family-wise, you know, because yeah. I do. I have a wife and two kids. I mean, my, my kids are older and uh, and uh, you know, 22 and 20, but but still, you know, a family's a family. And then uh, you know, uh, it's it's just a balancing act. You got to be able to balance your personal life with your professional life. So I always look at it and go, okay, look at, can I do this? And can I dedicate the time that's necessary so that I can be proud of my involvement with whatever it is that I'm, I'm considering getting involved in, you know, I think that's, that's really the bottom line is, am I going to be able to stand back and go, Hey, you know what? I'm proud of that. I'm glad I did that. And no, I didn't go at it half ass. I think that's what it comes down to, you know, because anything that I, I sign up for besides Dream Theater, I'm always, you know, no matter who the artist is that's coming up to me, whether it be Arian Lucasen or, um, you know, or uh, uh, Tim Donahue, which I did Mad Men and Sinners with, um, I always feel out that musician. I want to see what is their style, what what kind of music are you talking about writing with me um, or that you want me to be involved in. And then if I'm, you know, because I have to be, you know, let's face it, anything you do, I'm sure you have to say, hey, you know, I got to be in here for the right reasons. Of course, sure. 
you know, I got to believe in the music and I got to want to be, and I, and I am excited to be a part of it. And I guess that's what it comes down to. But it's definitely, you know, uh, a juggling act at times because you're, you're involved in so much. And then meanwhile, you still got your domestic uh, part of your life going on, you know? Of course. So, yeah, it's, it's a little difficult at times, but uh, I, I've seemed to uh, keep the balance so far. Of course. Well, with your, your project Mo Muzzler, which is, you know, your sole project but had a name, the second album came out on 9-11. Isn't that right? Yeah. yeah that I must know. have been such a surreal day for, for you in a lot of ways. Yeah, it, it definitely was. And at the same time, uh, if you remember, too, the scenes from New York, uh, our DVD, uh, Dream Theater, came out, too. Oh, it's same day. Yeah. Oh, wow. And, and, and if you go back to that, Shane, the original front cover – is the uh, Twin Towers on fire. So what do you think of that? Are you That's, serious? I'm dead serious. It's, I- a collector, it's a collector's item. We had to pull it. We, we uh, called our, our label right away and said, you know, in good good taste, that needs to be pulled. Like, who could have predicted that? Wow. Yeah, so, huh. so there That's, were, that's so, weird, man. Yeah, so the fans went out on a scramble and, and picked up as many of those, uh, the album cover, the original album covers as they could because uh, within a week it was pulled from the shelves and then a new cover oh, yeah. came out. Yeah. I, um, I just pulled yeah, it up. So I just pulled it up on my computer right here. Yeah. It's got yeah. it. It's, yeah, that's right. It's, it's got the, uh, Oh, it's got the apple, uh, right. The apple with the barbed wire around it, uh, yeah. on fire with the statue of Liberty and the twin towers, live scenes from New York. And is it that came crazy? Out. That is, yeah. that is crazy. That, that's right. We were like, you know, our, our jaws were on the floor going, what the fuck just happened here? And, and to be uh, just a story for you there, I flew in to New York the night before, September 10th. I flew into New York because September 11th, I was supposed to start recording the vocals for Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence. And I woke up to that. I actually bumped into a guy that used to tour manage for us. Bill Barkley was staying at the same hotel he bumped into me in the lobby and said hey do you want to get together for breakfast the next day i said sure call me in the morning he called me but he called me waking me up going james put your freaking tv on you're not going to believe what's going on he said a plane just flew into one of the twin towers and as we were on the phone together talking we watched the second plane hit wow we're we're in new york where where you're staying I was at, at right, right around 42nd Street and uh, and Broadway. Oh, my God. So, jeez, yeah. like, yeah. like you were like two miles away. Exactly. That's unbelievable. And, and the thing is, is, it felt like, you know, like the end of the world like had, had happened because we were able to walk down Fifth Avenue. So about an hour, two hours later, uh, we were walking down Fifth Avenue and the only cars on the road were taxis. And then the uh, the mayor came out and there was an announcement. And he said, okay, everyone has 12 hours. If you leave the island, you don't come back. The only vehicles that are going to be allowed back in will be, um, you know, for yeah. food, food and, and whatever else, any of the other amenities that are necessary, right? And every 15, 20 minutes – you'd hear three F-15 jets flying overhead. And it was just unbelievable, man. It, yeah. it was 
you couldn't believe it. You thought you were dreaming. Yeah, it's just did you horrible. did you stay did you stay there and yeah I stayed there. Wow. So I had an opportunity. Our producer at the at the time that who was working with us uh, was Kevin Shirley, and he lived there. And he said, um, "Hey man, you know if you want to take my car and go home, you can go for it because you know obviously there was no flights out of there." But yeah. So I checked into the border crossing right around like the Peace Bridge and, and, you know, several. And the average wait was 12 and a half hours. Yeah. And I went, "Ah, I'm staying. You know, I I got in touch with my wife and that, and I let her know I was fine. And she said, just stay put. Just stay there, man, you know. And uh, and that's what I did. But, yeah, it was crazy time, man, crazy time. That is – that is yeah. a crazy time. Wow. Yeah. Well, I don't want to take too much more of your time, but thanks for this uh, awesome conversation. Uh, I want to ask you about your son and your son's music. What's going on with yeah. that? Yeah. So Chance, uh, he's he's the drummer, my son, and uh, it's a band called Falset, and they just released the uh, their um, EP. Here we are, and I think it's fantastic. I think I think the music's amazing. Uh, it's it's all original. Um, they uh, they're they're a great band. They're a great band. It's very uh, heavy, but melodically driven. Great melodies, uh, and everybody in the band is is a great player. So uh, you know, I, I see good things happening. Uh, they're actually going to do um, one show in Toronto on the Warped tour. Oh, nice! So, yeah, so my band pretty... will be there as well. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah, we're we're, we're playing awesome. that day. Huh? Yeah. So, so there you go. Uh, they're going to be doing that, and uh, and then they're they're playing uh, in a couple of weeks. They're starting to do, I think, six or seven gigs, some down in Toronto and and that. But they're they're getting more and more active, and they're working on new material at the moment. So hopefully they'll have a new album out sometime in nineteen. Cool. And uh, and and that's it. You know. Did you push your son towards uh towards playing drums? I know you were a drummer originally. Yeah, yeah, man. I played drums from from the age of five to seventeen, and and I'm glad I did it because rhythmically it just gave me a, an amazing rhythmic sense, right? And then look at the band that I ended up in. So, right, right. so, so, so thank God I did that, you know, because I just naturally feel uh, time time signatures. I mean, you know, right. yeah, somebody can be standing there going one two three four five six one two three one two three four five, you know, <laughs> but but I can. But to me, it's just I'm feeling it, right? I'm just feeling it, and I think I, I owe that all to the fact that I had 12 years behind a kit, going crazy, and feeling everything rhythmically. And I think that's what's really kind of get, kept me completely tapped in when it comes to any any kind of music, for that matter. And um, but uh, yeah, what was the yeah. hardest? Uh, what was the hardest song that you know someone else in your band wrote? Like whether it was Petrucci or or uh, my, any of the mics or whatever, um, when they wrote it, that you were like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, how, yeah. Like, like, or you're in the studio and you're trying to sing this, whether it's a, a rhythm or a melody, uh, do you have any that stick, stick out in your mind that were just so hard to, to wrap your head around? Uh, illumination theory. Like that kind of like, that, that kind of has its moments. Yeah. Where it just gets really freaking, very, very, very complicated. Uh, with its time signatures and then where I'm, uh, you know, coming in and out, in and out, in yeah. and out. It, it's really kind of funky. Sure. And that's, so I really had to like batten down the hatches there and really think about that, especially when I was in the studio initially singing it, you know, singing those sections. Exactly. I like, 
hang on, you know, you know, I want to feel this naturally or it's going to feel like I'm a freaking robot. You know? It'll get one, two, go. I love a moment when you're in the studio, you're in the booth and yeah. obviously like the other people in the control room, you know, yeah. like, like, let's say you can see them through the glass window, you know, yeah, yeah. Th- they're in a different place, you know, different headspace than you're in. Cause you got to oh, think so- about the words, yeah, the yeah. timing, singing oh, yeah. in key. And I yeah, love I- when, I love when there's <laughs> like, okay. And everyone points where you're supposed to come in. Yeah. Like that's going to help you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. Right. Like yeah. it was right there. Come on. Lavery. I don't know. If, I don't know if you've had this happen, Shane, but what about it? Just you're, you're so caught up in what you're doing and then you say, okay, hang on, stop. Let me listen back to that. Okay. Yeah. So let me try another take on that. And you know exactly where you're, you come in, but then you're talking to the people in the, in the uh, <laughs> engineer room. Right. And then it comes up and they go, okay, so let's go for this. And then, the moment comes and goes by and you're completely gapped out <laughs> all the right? time, all the time. Right. And then you go, Oh my God, man, I was totally somewhere else. They go, let's try that again. You know, but it's just fun. All those little moments in the studio. You know? I because know. It, yeah. Cause it's, it's high focus and, and it, it's just bound to happen. You're going to have your moments where you're like, uh, okay, I wasn't there. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's no question. Uh, all right, man. Well, thanks. What's next for Dream Theater? Next for you? What's coming up? Yeah. So uh, Dream Theater, we're going to start uh, back in the studio in June. And uh, we'll just all be together and, and writing and uh, and working on the, the new album. So uh, we're hoping that the album will be out uh, let's say February yeah. of 2019. And then we're looking at this point that we'd start the next world tour next March. Perfect. And, um, and then as far as myself, like I said, I'm, I'm working on another solo album and actually I, I take off on the, uh, on uh, April 17th, I'm flying down to South America and I'm going to do four shows with a band called Nocturnal. Okay. Uh, they're like a, a heavy metal band down there. They're a huge band down in South America. But they've asked me to come in, and I'm going to sing five songs a night, uh, two Dream Theater songs, two solo songs, and then I'm going to uh, share the vocal duties with their vocalist, uh, Diego, on uh, one of their songs. So it, it, it's just going to be a fun gig. And yeah, it sounds a little different. Yeah, so it would be like four shows. I'm just going to fly and boom, 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 be done. And then come back, chill out, and then, like I said, in June, get back in the studio with uh, with the DT guys. Sounds great, James. Well, thank yeah. you so much for taking the time. Good luck with uh, everything with the family life and your son's band. And uh, yeah, yeah, man, I'll see you around. Maybe well, I'll see you at the Warp Tour if you're around. Yeah, likewise to you, Shane. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks. All, All right, the take best. Care. Yeah, take care. Okay. All right, bye. So there it is with James. Uh, what a great guy. Amazing episode. Thank you so much to James for doing this. And of course, to James' son's band and his friend who somehow hooked us up. Very, very cool. It's amazing how these things work. If you like the show, if you want to support what I'm doing, please feel free to go on iTunes and rate the show, preferably five stars, write a review. Make sure you're subscribed. And of course, if you want more, check out the All Access Club at leadsingersyndrome.com slash access. And... Tell a friend, tell a loved one. I think word of mouth really is what will help this thing grow. So thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Before I let you go, we're going to play a Dream Theater tune, and there are so many great ones to choose from. I was listening to Images and Words this week, and I haven't listened to it in a while. It's a great record. And yes... 
Pull Me Under is the song that started it all. So once you listen to this song, if you like it, go and check that one out. But I'm going to play Metropolis Part 1, The Miracle and The Sleeper. It's about eight and a half minutes, so get ready. But it's a great tune. Here it is on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. We'll see you next week.